Yeah. Parker, I was wondering about, well, if we could talk about your report card. Yeah. It's not terrible, but C's in science and a C minus in English? Parker, I'm really surprised by that. Huh? You used to love science. I mean, with science, you've got a great chance to use your mind for something. Something worthwhile. Yeah. Parker, a C in science says to the top schools that you don't have it. What? It. You know. Uh, excellence. Yeah. That you're a winner. Parker, don't you see? If you get bad grades now, it'll affect you later when you try for college. So? So, so, so you won't get in. You won't get a degree. Your whole future might be riding on this one grade. You've got to buckle down, Parker. You've got to think positively. Give it your best. Be all you can be. Go for your dreams. I'm, I'm not sure he's getting it. Oh, oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> you can tell by how emotionally connected he was to his dad. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Friday edition of our broadcast. Our host is the emotionally well-connected Dennis Rainey. Yeah. <laughs> and with us in the studio is his wife, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Bob. Have you ever had a teenage son who kind of uh-huh. grunted at you? Uh-huh. Oh, girls can do it, too. It's not a private domain of boys. Not just for boys. I think the, I think the girls have— The boys uh, are better at it, though. —have multiple syllable. Yeah. I don't know what the word is right now, but it's not the single-syllable word that the guys have. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, all this week we have been talking about some of the traps that are laid for teenagers as they walk through the teenage years and the things that we as parents have to not only prepare them for, but also help them around when they're in the midst of it. Yeah. In fact, I I got a little uh, quiz here. We'll see what kind of job Barbara has done in in teaching you. See how many of the traps (laughs) that we've listed in our book that you can name. Okay. We've got 14. So, uh, Begin. You just want me to to go through the list. Yeah. Well, okay. Back last February, you, you don't need to tell them when when we did it. Bob. We we did a series that included uh, substance abuse. All right, that's one. It included dating. That's two. It included uh, sexual immorality. Yeah. It included anger. He's, he's doing this without notes. Am I doing so anger? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Let's see. What else was in the midst of that? Um, the deadlies. Remember? Uh, yeah. Oh, they were the deadlies. Deadlies. So did, did we we talked about? I've said dating. Yeah, I've said dating, right? Oh, are we cheating out here? Are Keith's we... giving me a little, little <laughs> clues little here. I've said dating. Yeah. So um, peer pressure, that yeah. was one of them. Yeah, that's That six. was the apples in the bag. Right. And then we talked about media, and right. we talked about pornography. Right. Okay? So six. those are the ones we've covered. Right. And by the way, thanks for having your notes right over there where I could, could look at them as I was doing this. <laughs> now, the other... Oh, you cheated. <laughs> You cheated. Right and that there. leads into what we were talking about this week. We talked about deceit and cheating. <laughs> and we have also talked about attitude, too. <laughs> attitude and appearance. Right. So, 
So those are the ones we've talked about so far. You and want the list of the rest of the ones, the ones we're going to talk about the rest of this yeah, week and yeah. the next week? Yeah, go right ahead. Well, today we're going to talk about mediocrity. Right. And then next week we're going to talk about busyness. We're going to talk about false gods. We're going to talk about um, – oh, now here's where – I've got the chapters right here in front of me, but I can't look. Can no, I? you can't. And I don't have any more cheat sheets here for you either. <laughs> Busyness and false gods. We're going to talk about um, uh, the tongue, and we're going to talk about um, – you got any hints for me there, Keith? Keith pointed at his tongue for the last <laughs> one to help me out. No, that's that's as far as I can go. I got 13 out of 14, which is – Pretty. That's not bad. Pretty, pretty good. good. I'd say that's an A. Yeah. Barbara did a great job teaching you. Yes, she did. <laughs> you thought I was going to be mediocre on this, ah, didn't you? No, never, never. <laughs> What's the last one? The one that he missed, Keith. What did I miss? Um, busyness. Did you get that? Yeah. Yep. Mediocrity. Yeah. Yep. The tongue. Yeah. Yep. False gods. Yeah. Uh, appearance. Yeah. Attitude. Yeah. Yeah. That's all seven of them. Nothing is so boring as perfection. That's right. 14 for 14. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. That that is not uh, at all mediocre. That is not mediocre. We're talking about excellence. And, you know, don't you wish teenagers would catch the picture like that? Unfortunately, average is the goal of every teenager. They don't want to be excellent. With certain things. Now, they have their priorities. Oh, yeah. There are things that they do want to be excellent about. They want their car to look excellent, at least on the outside maybe, or or they want uh, to excel in sports. But things like cleaning the kitchen, they don't really have that excellence objective there, do they? No, no, they don't. And, uh, you know, by the time they finished the teenage years, you'd think they would have caught it. But Barbara had a, a situation with Ashley during her senior year that was a classic illustration of how every teenager just wants to be normal, whatever that is, with the rest of the herd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when Ashley was a senior and she was signing up for her classes for the for her senior year. And she said to me, uh, why do I have to take all this stuff? And I said, well, you're getting ready to go to college, and it's important for you to take these classes because it'll better prepare you for college, and you'll be used to doing writing essays. You'll be used to doing some things that you'll be doing in school. And she mm-hmm. said, but I thought your senior year was supposed to be fun and easy and a breeze. She said, that's what I've always heard is your senior year supposed to be a blast. And mm-hmm. she said, I'm going to have to study hard. And I said, yeah, you are going to have to study hard. I said, in our family, we're not going to coast through our senior year. You're going to get ready for college. And She's glad, I think, on the other side of it. But it was a real battle with her over what she was going to take for her senior year for her classes. I remember in college, we had what I referred to as as bio days. I would say to my roommate, tomorrow's going to be a bio day. And that just meant blow it off, bio. You just blow <laughs> off whatever the agenda is. So we'd, I'd say it's going to be a bio day, and we're just going to blow it off for tomorrow. And you do kind of have mm. that attitude that drifts through the middle of adolescence when things are supposed to be fun and easy. Yeah, but unfortunately, the scriptures call us to something else, don't they? They mm-hmm. don't call us to be average or to be mediocre. The scriptures call us to a standard of, of excellence. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 is clear. And whatever you do in word or deed, that pretty well covers it all, what mm-hmm. we say and what we do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God. And then, and then in uh, Colossians three twenty three, it says, "Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve." Mm-hmm. And our teenagers need to be trained in um, in serving Christ as their invisible employer, 
as the one to whom they're accountable to for their homework mm-hmm. and their chores and how they obey us and how they respond to uh, the responsibilities we give them. Unfortunately, again, though, as we've been laughing about here, they uh, want to slide south and take the easiest route, and that route is is usually not one that is known as the excellent route. Barbara, here's some of the tension we feel as parents in this area. We don't want to be pushing our kids so that they're stressed out, so that they feel like their only acceptance comes through achievement. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we do want to encourage them to use their gifts and abilities in a way that does bring glory to Christ. How can we as parents discern what's pushing too hard and what is uh, appropriate? Well, I think it comes, again, through being involved with your teenager and through having a good relationship with your child. Because if you have a good relationship, you'll be able to read when you're pushing too much or expecting too much or driving too hard, and you'll be able to back off. You'll be able to interact over these issues and these concerns, and you'll be able to challenge appropriately and and know when to pull back. But it takes a lot of time, and there'll be a lot of mistakes, because we have at times pushed our kids too hard, and we've had to back off. Mm -hmm. But at other times, we've let our kids slide by with a little less than they should, and we've thought, gosh, we should have encouraged that one more. So it, it takes a lot of a lot of work, a lot of trial and error. But if you keep the standard, though, as your goal of helping them achieve excellence and remembering that it is Christ whom they serve, uh, it, it, that'll keep the tension right over the long haul. Every one of our teenagers has has tried to take advantage of us at this point, but Barbara's words about staying involved are the key because if you know the child and you know their tendencies and you also know their capability, mm-hmm. you know what to, to challenge them to. And I'm thinking of one of our teens who... Um, when challenged, would begin to cry hmm. and would just say, but I can't, I just can't get there from here and I just don't have the capability and it's just so hard and it's so easy for others in my class and, and they do so well and they don't have to study. But... You sound like you've heard this a few times. <laughs> oh, it's pitiful. And the face that goes with it is worse. Right. And, and you, if you don't know the child, what happens in your heart goes out, oh, you poor dear, mm-hmm. we're pushing you to the edge you know, you're liable to split down the middle over this, and, and you're going to have an emotional earthquake and and have multiple personalities because we've been bad parents, you know. Well, Bob, that usually is not the case there. Mm-hmm. With most of us, our our problem is is that those points, we empathize when we should stand our, our, our ground and say to that child, you know, I understand it's painful. Mm-hmm. Others have gone this route before, and this is what you need to do. And you just need to you just need to do your homework. Mm-hmm. You you can make this great. You can do it. And um, boy, I tell you, it's tested all the time with teens. They don't want to excel. They want to get by with as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Barbara, that you've seen some parents who seem to be pressing their kids toward a standard, not because it's what's right for the child, but because the parent has uh, a lot at stake in how the child performs. Yeah, and it's real easy, I think, for parents to fall into that trap. And we've been tempted to fall into that trap ourselves with our kids in uh, sports activities. I mean, it doesn't. It isn't just grades. It's it's all kinds of areas where our children can perform. And you just have to be careful as a mom or a dad that you don't push your child to achieve in an area that they either don't want to or perhaps an area where they really are gifted, and but you push them so hard that they burn out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it can be a real dangerous area if you're not careful. You had one of your children 
Dennis, who uh, was on a fast track in athletics, and you were really wrestling with how far you let the child go in in athletic competition uh, before you really do throw things completely out of balance. Yeah, Rebecca was uh, 11 or 12, as I recall, was doing well in gymnastics. And not just speaking for Barbara here, but since she's in the studio to defend herself, (laughs) I would say that her mom thoroughly enjoyed watching her daughter perform in gymnastics. Is that right, Barbara? I loved watching my daughter perform in gymnastics because she was very good. Mm -hmm. And it's always been one of my favorite sports. So it was very easy for me to be in love with this. And and Rebecca wasn't on an Olympic fast track, lest anyone get the wrong impression here. But she had moved up to a level where the only place she could go at that point was to such a commitment that it was going to take her away from home three or four nights a week and virtually eliminate half of our influence on her life as she started to go into adolescence. And so... On uh, more than one of those trips back from the gym as we would drive back home, I began to talk to to Rebecca, and so did Barbara, about what this was costing her in terms of free time, in terms of time away from the family, in terms of um, time with us and, and, and our relationship with her. And we began to let her know that we were thinking and praying about the possibility of pulling her out of gymnastics and saying to her, you know, sweetie, your relationship with us is more important than your um, excelling in this particular sport. And for you to survive adolescence, we think your relationship with us is far more important than you getting a gold medal at a meet and moving to that next level of competition, which is going to extract an emotional price, a time price, and a relational price with us as your family. And so we're making that decision to pull you out. Yeah, and that really ties to one of the traps we're going to talk about next week, the trap of busyness and how parents need to keep hurt on that. But Barbara, you loved it. She was mm-hmm. enjoying it. And I know Dennis said she didn't have Olympic caliber, but... Maybe. I mean, who knows if you'd let her go. How do you decide as a parent, this is an area where my child is gifted and I need to, I need to get, up, get behind them and, and really light a fire mm-hmm. to move them versus the decision that you really are prodding your child in the wrong direction? Well, I think for us it came down to it, uh, an issue of what is more important in the overall picture of her life. For instance, especially with gymnastics, gymnastics is a young sport. It's something that you peak at 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as we looked at the whole of her life and the numbers of hours that she was spending at the gym, three and four hours a night, three times a week, we began to see that we we were allowing her and we were funding her investment of time in an area that was a very short Uh, a very small window of her life. Mm -hmm. And even though she was gifted, even though she was um, made for that sport, uh, even though she perhaps had potential for probably not the Olympics, but a very, very high level and maybe even a college scholarship. I mean, that crossed our minds. And we talked through that issue. Could, Could she get a college scholarship? Is that important enough to us and to her that she pursue this to that level. Mm -hmm. But we finally decided that really in the overall picture of her life, what she would gain from that would not be as important as what she would gain from from more time at home and with the family. And there were a lot of things we wanted to build into her life 
that we wouldn't be able to do with her being gone so much. So um, the decision for us was made looking at the big picture of her life. And so we decided that even though she was talented, even though she had gifts and abilities in that area, uh, for her to excel in that area would, would cost a price in other areas that that would not be good in long term. And Dennis, what I hear Barbara saying here is that when we look at the subject of excellence and mediocrity and balancing that out, we really have to be spiritually discerning as parents and know where to press kids toward excellence and, and what really matters. Exactly. And, and this is where you can't have other people making decisions for you. It's where you can't get off on the comparison route with other families and what they're doing because other families may not have the same biblical values, the same spiritual convictions that you have. It is a time, however, for your family to determine your values, your biblical convictions like Barbara was talking about, and to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what everybody else is going to do. This is what's right for our family. And sometimes excellence becomes a God Mm -hmm. that pulls us away from the real God and the real issues of life. And the, the call is not to necessarily to be, um, and I want to be careful how I say this here, but it's not just necessarily to be the best gymnast or the best athlete you can possibly be. No, the call that God places on our life, I think, is to be the best person, total person. Mm-hmm. And that means mind, body, emotions, will, the total person. And I think sometimes we as parents get so enamored with a segment of a child's life, we can raise an emotional cripple, a spiritual cripple, all because we've helped them become so successful at a very narrow area. And one of the things we talk about in this particular chapter in the book is the whole area of work and jobs. If we're not careful as parents, we can raise sons and daughters that can become young materialists Mm -hmm. who can become so caught up in making bucks and making money and working so many hours they're not developing as total people, as the people God's called them to be. And it's interesting, too. If you look at those people who are celebrated in our culture as superstar athletes or yeah. superstar uh, entertainers, right. folks who are at the top of their craft, usually they have one area where they excel and the rest of their life is a mess. As parents, do we really want to raise a tennis player who can play a great game of tennis but can't control his tongue? In talking to a referee, do we want to raise a singer right. who has a beautiful voice but can't keep a husband or can't keep a wife? Barbara, I know because I've heard Dennis talk about this, that one of the core convictions, one of the things that you listed that you wanted to impress in the lives of your children was a work ethic. Now, Dennis has just talked about how a work ethic can press you toward workaholism. How do you as a parent uh, teach your kids what's appropriate in a work ethic, and how, how have you all done that? Your kids have had part-time jobs, right? Yeah, we've uh, encouraged all of our kids to get a part-time job when they turn either 14 or 16, kind of depending on what what else is going on in their lives. Some of our kids have had other activities, and we felt like adding a job too early would be too much. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we've we've wanted all of them to have an outside employer, somebody besides mom and dad who are teaching them to work and how to work well. And uh, so we've, we've encouraged them all to get jobs 
uh, where they're working for somebody else and earning money and having to keep hours, having to please a boss, uh, having to meet expectations that they may or may not think are right as far as how much they have to work and how they clean the kitchen after they finish the job. And mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things have taught our kids valuable lessons about relating to other people. Uh, it's been good for our kids to learn how to be an employee. Uh, I, you know, I think all kids grow up with these visions of being a boss someday, but they've got to learn how to be an employee first, mm-hmm. uh, how to please their boss and how to do a good job and how to work with excellence. So that's an avenue that we've um, tried to pursue with all of our kids. Have you seen it move them from mediocrity toward excellence in some areas? Well, we've, the thing that's been fascinating to us is that we've seen them perform with excellence uh, on their jobs in a way sometimes that we weren't expecting because you see your kids at home not want to make their bed, not want to clean their room, (laughs) do a lousy job cleaning the kitchen, gripe about taking out the garbage, on and on and on ad infinitum, and then they get a job. And all of a sudden you find out from the employer that they're doing a great job at work and you kind of go, how did that happen? (laughs) But they find that at a job where they're getting paid by somebody else that it they're willing to work hard to mm-hmm. scrub those tables and clean that floor. And um, it's been good for them to have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian young people ought to be among the most sought-after employees anywhere in the in the uh, job market. Mm-hmm. And um, I know Barbara and I have, have, uh, have always wanted our children to have this job because it's good for them to have this experience like she mentioned. And we've had them work for all kinds of companies, some selling athletic wear, others working in different fast food businesses. And it's interesting, Bob, not all employment opportunities are equally good for your teenager. Mm-hmm. And and I, I know I'm probably not supposed to do this in Christian radio, but I'm going to brag on an employer that has employed uh, now four of our five children who are old enough to work and has done a wonderful job of putting them to work and teaching them some values and of coming alongside us and also honoring our family values at the same time. And it's a, it's a company that's closed on Sunday. So already you know there's some family values incorporated in this particular business, and it's Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And I happen to know a lot about this company because uh, I've got a lot of friends who work there. And I told them back in 1986 that uh, I could pay them no greater honor than someday to be able to speak at one of their, um, their meetings again in front of all their managers and say to them that my children had all worked for their company. And sure enough, looks like five out of six will have worked uh, there for a minimum of uh, two years each and have uh, learned a great deal in the process. And the reason is it's a company that's got a lot of, a lot of Christian values that are underlying, and, and they teach the employees. Their, their ministry is to their employees, and it's a great place for teens to take that first job. Well, once again, in this area, our children are going to see how we conduct ourselves, and they're going to make their biggest determination about mediocrity versus excellence by how we live our lives, and particularly, Dennis, in the area of our spiritual values. That's right. It goes back to Colossians 3.23. Are we working as under the Lord? Do they hear us griping and grumbling about our employers? Do they see us doing a good job in what we do? And Barbara and I have not not done this perfectly, but, you know, I think overall our children have caught a picture that uh, the Christian life relates to all facets of our lives. And as they grow up and become responsible adults, they need to understand that uh, they're going to have their own choice of whether they're going to excel 
or get by and do as little as possible. And uh, they've got to learn that they're accountable to the Lord. And hopefully they've learned those lessons that uh, their lives need to represent Christ and represent Him well.